0: What would you like the power to do?
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay, we're
3: all in take five.
2: Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the horn.
0: B, no B today Rod is uh, under the weather We're rooting for him had a high fever he is running yesterday afternoon so I'd like to uh, not test it and uh, good for him hope he's getting some rest and uh, you know hopefully for you you know everybody uh, everybody gathers at the holidays family comes in town you go to see family and a lot of times you uh, catch a little bug or something uh, on the other side of that let's hope the best for Rod as uh get details and when you when he can get back uh we're also speaking of details here on Hook 'Em up we're finalizing our details for our plan this weekend Longhorns are getting prepped for the game in uh, arlington uh, with oklahoma state um we are also going to be up there we as you just heard from jerry hamilton last hour from inside texas we are again going to be partnering with inside texas on some stuff we're doing with them on a friday afternoon for to bring some some coverage of for them and for us here on the Horn, which we're looking forward to uh, with Patrick Davis and the crew Friday afternoon on your way up. And then we uh, have a really good plan that's coming together for Saturday. Uh, and we're going to be telling you about that coming up just as soon as we, we put the final touches on it. But uh, we are going to be in, up in Arlington uh, Saturday morning with live broadcast and live coverage on right near Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium. And as a matter of fact, the place that we're finalizing where we're going to be, uh, Ty, uh, shuttles people to and from the stadium. So you can come join us for pregame coverage in the morning get some uh, kegs and eggs, as they say, grab a bite, uh, and then shuttle uh, over to AT&T Stadium. I'll get you details on that place called Jay Gilligan's uh, right there in Arlington, over near, uh, you know, old downtown Arlington, but also near UT Arlington, the UT Arlington campus. That's where we're going to be posting up, but I'll get you details on times and everything. But uh, pretty cool that you could come hang out and uh, shuttle over. He told me, uh, the owner there, Ty, told me that uh, last week for the Cowboys game on Turkey Day, they shuttled, you know, 2,000, two, three 3,000 people over to the game and back, which is a good way to do it if you don't want to you know, pay the freight and all that goes on with Cowboys and AT&T Stadium. So uh, pretty cool. So we'll get you details. Be, be advised of that. Uh, and we'll also have so as, as much coverage as we can bring is what we're talking about for the Big 12 Championship Game, Longhorns' first trip since 2018. So, yes, if you're making your plans to head up to the Metroplex, we will get you details on You can come follow us and be around uh, ourselves and our friends at Inside Texas and, uh, on Friday afternoon and then again on Saturday morning for the Longhorns final ever Big 12 contest. You getting fired up for this game, Ty? Are you getting geeked up? It's, uh, it's a championship, Matt.
2: I'm remaining calm. I, uh, I, 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 think, I think we'll take care of business. It's a business okay. trip.
0: Are you also getting geeked up for uh, Thursday night, Thursday night when the Cowboys in that same stadium will open up a critical, you know, it's because uh, somebody texted us, by the way. This is pretty cool on the text line. We always appreciate the text, 447-3776, the messages. This says, guys, it's going to be a good October next year. Because we told you that Texas, according to Chris Lowe of ESPN, will get you the full rundown of that coming up here in the headlines. But uh, Georgia, the Longhorns with Georgia, has been announced as an October game, October 3rd uh, week of October against the Georgia Bulldogs here in Austin. And as the texter points out, next year in October, OU weekend, ACL Fest for two weekends, F1 weekend, and now you can go ahead and add the Georgia Bulldogs to the October rundown. Um, you know, very well maybe a three-time defending national champion. I mean, Georgia is that good this year. They're playing as the number one team in the country right now. Think about that, Ty. You could have – because the last team – who's was the last team to go three times? Was it Minnesota back in the 30s? Isn't that right? That uh, the, the last time a team went three in a row? Because remember, when Texas beat USC in 2005 at the Rose Bowl, USC was trying to win a third straight, and Texas derailed that. We can also point out that back in the mid-'90s, Texas derailed Nebraska in the first ever Big 12 championship game, and Nebraska was seeking three straight – National champions. Texas derailed that. Uh, wouldn't it be something if the Longhorns could find their way into the college football playoff with that game looming next October? What if the Longhorns did it again, Ty? What if it's a, a trifector for the Texas Longhorns? Got to get in first, but that could be some history made if uh, uh, you get to face Georgia and knock them off on their run to three in a row. If you don't beat or face them, then you're going to face them next October, which is pretty cool to look forward to on the calendar. Start saving your nickels right now, by the way, for that month.
2: I'm not scared of anybody right now. You're not? I'll tell you that much. I don't, I don't. Michigan's the one team that I think could could definitely out physical Texas right now. But any of the, sure. the Georgia, Alabama could beat them again. Not not afraid of any of the Pac twelve teams.
0: Well, I think I, Texas I, would stand up to any of them. I do, I think. But at the same time, you know, once you get the matchups, you can start breaking them down, tendencies, weaknesses. But, uh, you know, the one thing for Georgia, if you're not watching this, their passing game is, is really strong. I mean, I think they could have a chance to the Texas secondary. But we'll talk about that game when we, if we ever to get to it. We do know that it's come on the schedule for next year uh, without a doubt. It says, as an Arlington native, Jay Gilligan's is a well-known local spot. Great location. Good call. See you there. That's from our buddy Craig Castleberry. Yeah, we're going to be at Jay Gilligan's coming up uh, on Saturday morning. We're trying to decide if it's going to be 9 o'clock until 11 or, you know, or 8 until 11. So a couple of formalities to figure out there. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're looking at Jay Gilligan's. This says, UT Arlington, one of the most unattractive college campuses in the country. Well, you know, well, we're not going to be on the college campus. Right near it, uh, between UT Arlington and AT&T Stadium is where Jay Gilligan's is, right in that little strip in downtown Arlington. So looking forward to that. We'll also tell you where we're going to be Friday afternoon. On this Tuesday morning as we finalize our plan. Speaking of plans, coming up, uh, we'll be at the turn at the bottom of the hour. We'll hit that coming up. Also, go behind the burn orange curtain. Here's from Steve Sarkeesian from his Game Week news conference yesterday on a Monday. And, of course, uh, Mike Craven will be joining us here coming up from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Talk about his busy day yesterday. The coaching carousel in the state of Texas is spinning right now. Let's get to the headlines, though. Top stories to start your 8 o'clock hour. Top Gun Rattles and a lot of equipment to bring it to you. Start with college football. Seventh-ranked horns now in full prep mode for their showdown with Oklahoma State on Saturday in Arlington. Texas will seek to claim their fourth Big 12 championship, their first since 2009. At its weekly Monday media availability yesterday, head coach Steve Sarkeesian described his team as focused and business as usual as they look to complete the mission.
3: We're headed to Arlington Saturday, you know, 11 a.m., competing for, for a Big 12 championship. You know, Quite frankly, that's been our mission and that's been our focus all year, was to be champions this year. And we've earned that right. Um, and we've got ourselves in position to do that. Uh, to think in the last 27 he- years here at Texas, there's only been three conference championships. Uh, and so we, we don't take this lightly. Uh, we know the challenge that it is to A, make it to the game, and then B, to ultimately win that game. Uh, So to be the fourth team to do it here in 27 years would would be a heck of a deal if we could get it done.
0: Win or lose that game on Saturday at 11 o'clock. The game will be the Longhorns final ever Big 12 Conference game uh word yesterday that the sec plans to unveil the conference's entire 2024 schedule sometime in december uh the first that will of course include texas and oklahoma in the expanded 16 team league ahead of the full release next month the espn's chris lowe revealed a number of dates from some of the bigger matchups including three for the longhorns according to lowe texas will host the georgia bulldogs october 19th of 2024 as we mentioned likely to be one week after that annual Red River showdown with the Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl. They will also make a trip to Arkansas November 16th in a re-engagement with their old Southwest Conference rivals, and they will renew, according to Chris Lowe, the rivalry with Texas A&M after 12 years on a hiatus in College Station Saturday, November 30th, to close the regular season. Longhorns' 2024 non-conference schedule also includes home games with Colorado State, UTSA, and UL Monroe, plus that early season road game at Michigan. Speaking of Texas A&M, Aggies made it official yesterday and introduced Mike Elko as the program's new head football coach. Elko left A&M to take his first head coaching job at Duke after the 2021 season, went 16-9 in two seasons in Durham. Blue Devils had won just 10 games in the combined three previous years. Elko won 16-2. NFL quite a stinker on Monday Night Football last night. Kind of expected this to wrap up Week 12 in Minnesota. Uh, Cairo Santos made a 30-yard field goal with 10 seconds left. That gave the Bears a 12-10 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Chicago improves to 4-8 without scoring a touchdown. Their defense intercepted Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs four times. Vikings fall to 6 and six. Week 13 of the NFL kicks off this Thursday night in Arlington. Surgeon Cowboys hosting the 6-5 and five Seahawks. Pink slips in Carolina yesterday. Panthers fired head coach Frank Reich just 11 games into his tenure there. Went 1-10. Uh, of course, Reich replaced Matt Rule this past offseason. Team also dismissed their quarterbacks coach Josh McCown and assistant head coach Deuce Staley. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun
2: Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting five percent off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items for the Capital Area Food
0: Bank. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, uh, we heard Sark there completing the mission. Business as usual, business trip. I said this earlier, but I believe it. If uh, if they win that game on Saturday, and the long ones are a two touchdown favorite. Um, you know, because we get all the texts and all the conversation with you folks about, you know, should Texas be in the CFP or the college football playoff team? Uh, you, and we'll hear more from Sark coming up in our Behind the burn Orange Curtain segment. Sark is, you know, honestly dismissing it. You know, he's going to defend his team, but he wants to keep his team focused on this week, knowing how much trouble they've had with Oklahoma State. And he he, he said for sure, he said, why wouldn't I think we are a college football playoff team? But he didn't, you know, bang the table. He's not lobbying for his team yet because he knows they've got another game to win. Um, you know, if they, that's an 11 o'clock kick on Saturday. If Texas were to win that game and, and come close or even you know, you know, double digits, not as emphatic as the Tech game, but if they win that game, uh, you, can, you can damn well bet that Sark will begin to lobby immediately uh, for his team. That's when you can start doing the, the politicking, and should, uh, because you know, you've made your case now. Uh, the, the dust had settled, as Sark had said. All the puzzle pieces played, and then you start to lobby for your football team. Uh, you, can, you can expect that to happen, but first you've got to win the game. With that in mind, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. He is the senior writer. At Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine doing an incredible job of covering college football coast to, you know, border to border here in the great state, top to bottom. He's all over it. He's our man Mike Craven. He's also my co-host on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, which we will have out tomorrow. We'll record our newest episode coming up today. Uh, what's up, Mr. Craven?
1: Uh, nothing much. Uh, nobody got fired between the time I went to bed last night and the time I woke up, so it was pretty good.
0: Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, you, you've had a busy couple of days. I mean, you knew this was coming with the carousel, and uh, you were in Waco yesterday, you told me. Then you had to travel down to College Station, which isn't that far of a drive, to cover the Mike Elko press conference. Let me start with uh, what you learned in, in Waco, and then we'll get to the Aggies and the Longhorns in the championship game. But uh, what did you make of, uh, of, De- of what's going on in Waco? Dave Aranda will stay, 3-9 and nine campaign, but uh, massive changes coming to how they run the operation, it feels like.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to go back to being defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, where he's calling the plays, where he's coaching the schemes, where he's in those meetings all of the time. And they're going to look for an offensive coordinator with an explosive offense, but also one that's had some head coaching experience. Um, You know, and this isn't a unique thing. There's plenty of colleges around the country where there's basically a head coach for the offense and a head coach for the defense. It feels like they're going to go that way. And, And another big part of it is they're going to get into NIL a little bit more. Baylor. a small Christian university, I I don't think that they wanted to get into the waters of NIL too much, but you look around, even in the Big 12 without Texas, without Texas, uh, without Oklahoma, there's still plenty of of places in there spending a decent amount of money on players, and if Baylor wants to keep up, they're going to have to get into that pool. I think they realize that, so those are the changes that we're going to see in Waco.
0: All right, so uh, we'll watch for names uh, of a dynamic offensive coordinator with uh, head coaching experience. That's a, you the, the, there are those guys are out there for sure. But uh, Dave Aranda, uh, Mac Rhodes, the AD there, you, you still you know, feel like they're they're confident in, in Dave Aranda. He won a Big Twelve championship in his second year, but uh, uh, you know, a, a, a fall without Matt, you know, without Matt Rules players and Joey McGuire moving on um, to, to, to to Texas Tech and take a lot of that recruiting staff. There's still confidence in Aranda in Waco.
1: I think so, and you know, you talk to Dave. He's a, you know, you like him. You you want to like him. You want him to succeed. And and I think you know, watching what happened with Dana Holgerson at Houston versus what happened with Dave Veranda at Baylor is likability and the the ability of of bosses to go, well, I like this guy coming to work. I like working with this guy. I want him to do better. Let's see if he can have one more year. Another part of it's the money. You know, I think A and M buying out. Jimbo for $76 million warps our brain into thinking that's not a ton of money and all of these colleges have $20, $30, 40000000 million laying around um, to go buy out a coach. You know, Dave Aranda's at a private school, so we don't know the exact number, but I'm told it's around $20 million. They just finished their, their development center or finishing up their, their player development center. They just built a new basketball arena. Um, they finished an indoor practice facility. Like They've done a lot right in the last year or so at Baylor. And I just don't think... Their, fan, their donor base was up to, hey, let's get another $20 million raised and then another $10 million for the next coaching search. I think they're going to try to get Aranda back in his comfort zone of being the defensive coordinator, try to bring in a guy who's been a head coach to run the offense, and then they're going to reassess after the 2024 season and see where Baylor's at.
0: Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas football senior writer. uh, Went from Waco where he got that news. Dave Dave Aranda still liked by his bosses. Safe to say at Aggieland, Jimbo Fisher wasn't very liked by a lot of people. Um, And that's where the $80 million buyout comes. And now the move to Mike Elko. Uh, Just your thoughts, Mike. Obviously, we all heard and saw the reports that Mark Stoops was the choice and maybe flew to College Station and was told to go back because of fan and, you you know, Regent and Booster backlash at the hire. And now Mike Elko is in. Uh, what was the scene there yesterday? Uncomfortable? Uh, what, what what was your read of what went on over the weekend and what was announced yesterday?
1: No, I mean, I, I think everything was fine, and they, they were having a good time yesterday. I mean, uh, General Welsh, who's their interim president, probably going to become the president at, at Texas A&M shortly, kind of made a joke at the very beginning, kind of saying the quiet part out loud, and he goes, turns out hiring a big-time college football coach is hard. Um, and it can be, <laughs> right? I mean, there's a lot that goes into this thing. There's a lot of opinions in the room. I think we try to we we act like Steve Sarkeesian was the one and only choice for Texas, and everybody that was in that room bet on Steve Sarkeesian. That's not how it goes, right? Like there's differing of opinions. There's 10 or 15 power brokers making these decisions, and they're not all going to agree. And also, they're all used to being told yes. Like not many of them are used to being told no. Like they get what they want all of the time. And so, uh, I think with a And M they still have a problem with leaks, right? I mean, that all that stuff kind of goes on, I think, in a lot of coaching searches, but we don't ever hear about it. The fact that we heard about it is probably a bad sign. Uh, but Mike Elko checks every single box that they wanted. You know, they looked around at the SEC, and they see Nick Saban and Kirby Smart as the two top dogs. Well, those guys are defensive coaches, and so – I think they wanted to go back to their roots, get a defensive coach. When Mike Elko was at A and M, they were thirty-four and twelve under Jimbo Fisher. When he wasn't there, they were twelve and twelve under Jimbo Fisher. I think they see Elko as like the glue guy, as the program guy, as the blue-collar uh, dude. And I think with Texas coming into the conference, that's the uh, mentality, and that that's the perception. Uh, that they want there at A&M. So I think it was a good hire. I just think the way that they got to the hire makes it look like maybe it wasn't as good of a hire.
0: That's an interesting one, as usually you do, Mike. You put it in great perspective. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, people with opinions and uh, you know, if the, if the stoop stuff doesn't get leaked, you know, maybe he was just flying in for an interview to finalize, but somebody wanted that out, and it uh, really led to the backlash, which led to Mike Elko, which may in the end uh, be the right hire anyhow. Pretty clear for Mike Elko that uh, he can coach defense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He, he knows most of that locker room that he still has a ton of talent on the defensive side. You know, his, his ceiling and his uh, fortune there is going to be predicated on the staff he hires and the offensive coordinator he hires from this point.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see if he brings in Johns from Duke, who's a, who's a good young offensive coordinator that a lot of people like, or if he goes outside. I mean, he's got a budget. I mean, they they handed that to Adam's credit. They handed us his contract info as soon as the press conference started. I mean, the whole thing, uh, his six year, you know, seven million dollar base salary, what the incentives were, he, he can make up to ten point five million. And then the other part was the assistant salary pool. He has an $11 million assistant salary pool. And so he's going to be able to go get whatever offensive coordinator he wants probably, or at least most of them. And so it'll be interesting if he stays uh, with guys he knows, or if he goes out and gets kind of a big name splash OC uh, to lead this thing. Uh, And then you're right about the familiarity. He talked about how it's rare for your first team meeting for you to know half the roster. And I think that's one of the reasons that he was hired 2024 is a big year for AM. They had a 12-year start on Texas. They're now in the same conference. They're hosting that game on November 30th. They don't want to get embarrassed and to have a guy come in and to keep most of that roster intact gives them the best chance to compete with Texas and compete in the SEC in 2024. I think that was a big part of why he was uh, why he was hired as well.
0: Yeah. Well said. Uh, what about uh, Ross Bjork? I mean, is there some, I mean, there's some talk that uh, wasn't his guy and got, got overruled? And, um, you know, what's your thought on Ross Bjork and his standing now at the top of the uh, the athletic department there at A&M?
1: Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. You know, they've had a lot of turnover. Ross talked about how he's had four different presidents and four and a half years there at, at AD. I do think it's one of those things at A&M that without that surefire, like condensed leadership at the top, it's allowed a lot of other parties to become pseudo leaders, like a lot of fraction, uh, factions within that back room there at A&M because they haven't had just a consistent president um, to be the guy or the gal there um, to be the boss. And so I don't think he has as much power as a lot of athletic directors. And I do think that some of the Mark Stoop stuff goes back on Ross. And I think some of the contract of Jimbo goes back on Ross, right? And so, Uh, This is a big hire for him. Elko needs
0: to work out. If Elko doesn't work out quickly, I'd imagine he's on that block as well. Uh, There's Mike Craven, senior writer, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Before we talk some Texas and Oklahoma State and your thoughts on what's coming Saturday, um, your alma mater, UTSA, Jeff Traylor. He was a candidate at A&M and interviewed for that job. Uh, Houston has come open with Dana Holgerson after a 4-8 season being relieved. Uh, Is he the natural choice there? We talked about Gary Patterson as well. I know you've written some stories on top candidates you're hearing out of the U of H.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think UTSA may have dodged a bullet here. Without Arkansas opening up, without Baylor opening up, A&M going more national, uh, Jeff Trailer may be the head coach of UTSA in 2024, and that's something that I don't think I would have predicted about a month ago just because I thought some more jobs were going to open. Houston's going to be interesting because Houston doesn't have as much money as a lot of the programs in the big 12. And so I think trailer's choice right now is do you stay at UTSA and try to win the American and maybe get into the playoffs a couple of times out of every five years, or do you go to Houston and where you're going to have to be under resourced and catching up to the rest of the big 12 and maybe eight and four, nine and three is going to get you fired where eight and four, nine and three at UTSA may not be celebrated, but it'll keep you going. And so, uh, I, I think UTSA is going to be okay there on the Houston search, although you never know what's going to happen with coaching carousel stuff. If I'm Houston, my first call is Willie Fritz at, at Tulane. He was at Sam Houston. He knows the area. Uh, he knows East Texas. At Tulane, you're recruiting Houston a lot. He's just a ball coach. Like, the dude's won at, like, four or five different college levels. And so, he would be my first call. I would absolutely call Jeff Trailer. But they'd be silly not to just kick the tires on Gary Patterson. I mean, he led TCU into the Big 12. He's kind of done that whole – not having as much resources as everybody you're playing, and he loves that. He relishes that uh, kind of work. He wants to get back into coaching. And so I imagine he gets an interview. He gets some feelers out there and see uh, how interested he is and if they can afford him and what he thinks about NIL and the transfer portal because that's kind of the thing with some of these older coaches, right? You just want to know how they feel about modern football and if they're going to adapt to it because you're not going to general four-star general your way to wins anymore. You need to be more of a player coach than Gary was. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets back into it, kind of how he's changed as a, as a leader.
0: Yeah, and you kind of feel, I argued this yesterday, Mike, that uh, if you get Gary Patterson, it's, it's his last job, right? I mean, he's going to stick and stay there and help build that program like he did TCU with a fertile recruiting base uh, if he's willing to go, <coughs> excuse me, and play in the NIL space. But at the same time, you hire Willie Fritz and he, you know, kills it at Houston, you know, be another stepping stone spot for him because he's on the rise as is. Uh, but it uh, will be interesting because I think Gary Patterson you know, could be there 10 more years and be your coach for for quite a while. Trailer and Fritz, you know, might be a shorter-term situation for Houston. Uh, either way, great stuff from Mike Craven. Mike, you were at the game on Friday when Texas demolished uh, Texas Tech 57-7. to As we told folks, you grew up going, you know, you pretty much grew up in the Texas Athletic Department. Your, your grandfather was the longtime team doctor there, Dr. Craven. Um, and so you've been to a lot of football games there. I've heard from a lot of people that that was as good a game experience and game electricity that maybe we've ever seen at DKR. What was your read on the uh, the game, and, and then and then what what would you what you experienced in the building?
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree with it. I had gone to the Kansas game earlier in the year, but it was during the day. Like there's just with the drones and the light show and the LED and everything. Like I that was amazing that that was the Friday after Thanksgiving. Like I've probably gone to. 150 Texas games in my life, and that's got to be top five uh, experience that I've ever seen. What Del Conte and that group has done behind the scenes with Vivo Boulevard and you know having Bob Schneider at Texas City Limits, like it was a packed house. I remember when Matt got there and you know the whole come early, be loud, stay late thing. That was a plea. That was like please, please do that because y'all <laughs> don't do that. Please come early, stay loud, be let. And and now you don't have to have that rallying cry anymore. And I think. Texas is SEC ready on the football field, and after what I saw Friday against Texas Tech, they're SEC ready in the stands, and that's going to be a big part of, of the success over the next year or two.
0: Yeah, we talked about that yesterday, that uh, that was the CDC said when he got here, and people were talking, well, why are you doing all this when the team's no good? Let's get the team good. He was like, no, my job is to make the experience a great one. We want to look like Austin. We want to be like Austin. We want it to be a celebration of Texas football. And then it's Sark's job to coach the team. And uh, he's done a heck of a job of building the roster. And now it's really come together. And I think that Friday night was kind of a culmination of both of those visions. And, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a you know, signing post for where it's headed. Big picture. What about the game Saturday? Now, Longhorns are a two-touchdown favorite. Oklahoma State has gone 7-1 and in their last eight. Not always pretty. But uh, Mike Gundy can flat coach. What's your, your level of concern for the Longhorns on Saturday to get a championship?
1: Yeah, I wasn't that concerned about Texas Tech because it felt like the thing Texas Tech did the best was the thing Texas was best at stopping, and I feel like this Oklahoma State game is essentially the same thing. Ollie Gordon's great. I've been watching Ollie Gordon play football for three or four years. He was awesome in the DFW area at South Grand Prairie. I was actually watching an Ollie Gordon playoff game against Allen when Sark's News got announced that he was going to be uh, the Texas coach. That was that year the playoffs went into the following calendar year because of COVID. He's awesome. Uh, but Texas is incredible on the defensive line. I mean, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, you're not going to run against those guys successfully. Like, if if your key to victory is running through T- Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, you ain't winning. And I just don't see how Oklahoma State passes the ball enough to outscore Texas without the run game. Mike Gundy said in his press conference, in his career, he had been very good when he's one-dimensional. They're going to have to figure out a way to run the football I, I know Tech was able to put up some numbers, but at no point during that game were they controlling it with the run game. If Texas gets a lead like they did uh, against Oklahoma State, like they did against Tech, I just don't see the Cowboys built in a way to really push Texas. I think this was a better matchup than, say, a rematch with Oklahoma or another team with maybe a more uh, passing-centric identity. Uh, they they match Styles make fights, and this style matches up really well for Texas.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well said. And, I, you know, had it been Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel and, uh, you know, the ability to run and play that spread veer and really get after Texas, which they did in the Cotton Bowl, uh, you'd be a little more concerned. But at the same time, it's Mike Gundy, 7-3 and three in the last 10 against Texas. And, um, you know, he's has something up his sleeve. So we look forward to that game. Mike, real quick, while you were at the game and you talk about top five experience, what about when Arch Manning came in the game? That was pretty surreal. You know, this is a third-string quarterback. Only came in because Malik Murphy got run into on the sidelines on a kickoff and uh, banged up his shoulders. So Arch is in the game. That was – I mean, what a hero's welcome he received. That was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, to take everybody behind the curtain. When a game is a blowout like that, all of us up in the press box are writing our stories. We're getting a head start. We're writing our stories. So most of our heads were down looking at our computer. And then all of a sudden, the crowd went crazy as if something – I didn't know if McConaughey had taken his shirt off or what was going on. Like, the crowd (laughs) was going insane. And you look up and you see arches out there. And we all stop writing our story, right? We just watch the rest of the game. Because you don't know what's going to happen, and it's just like such a a thing we've all thought about for so long and written so many words about, uh, that you just went there and you watched it. It was it was awesome to see the crowd stick around, and then the crowd have that type of reaction, and, and you just you get reminded what the Manning name and what the lore and the, the pressure that that kid must be under. Um, it was it was something. It was something to see a game be a blowout, and then a kid who you've never seen play before at the college level come out and then captivate the entire stadium and the entire press box. Uh, it's just something about that last name.
0: Yeah, and you, you said it. You guys had your head down. Fans were leaving and all of a sudden Arches in. Everybody came back and the place was Correct. packed uh, all the way until the end, which really you know, culminated a great night for Texas and see if they can finish it off with a great game Saturday. Thank you, Mike. I'll see you later. And uh, we'll be recording the Eyes on Texas uh, podcast for our episode this week. Uh, a lot of the same conversation, but even deeper dives. Uh, we appreciate you, my friend. Thanks a lot. All right. Talk to you later. All right, there's Mike Craven. Uh, good stuff on all things Texas A&M, Baylor, Texas, uh, likes the Longhorn. Styles make fights, and this one does seem to fit Texas much like Texas Tech. We'll talk more about that coming up. Burn Orange Curtain, his thoughts on Oklahoma State, his thoughts on Ollie Gordon, the running back they have to stop. We'll get that coming. Also, we'll be at the turn at the bottom of the hour. That's coming next.
3: I'm all right.
0: the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store. Helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. That's right. 8.30. We're at the Turn. If you play golf, you know that's nine holes in, nine holes to go. Grab yourself a Cold Bud Light, a cold beverage, maybe grab a taco and, uh, you know, finish the, the finishing nine. That's what we do at the turn. But at the turn, a little golf. Uh, and we told you earlier with Callahan's General Store, uh, we're going to be bringing back, starting in December, the golf course of the month. We did this last year, had a great time with it. We learned a lot about local golf courses and golf um, You know, their history and uh, the inception and what kind of courses they are. Our friend Omar who, By the way, Omar is heading out to go to Champions uh, Tour Q School this week. But before he does, he's going to be joining me today. And we are going to be recording our golf course of the month for the month of December. Brought to you by Callahan's General Source. We'll tell you about that as we do. We'll break the news coming up next month. We'll be out there recording. And every month, we feature a different course. And we did it last year for nine or ten courses. We'll do it again this year, starting in December and all the way through the spring and the golf season into the summertime. And we know you love playing golf. Tee times are booked all over Central Texas. hard to get one these days. And new courses or new clubs coming online and whatnot. So we're going to learn more about them to help you understand these courses you're getting out and playing and where they started and who runs them and uh, what are the best holes and those kind of things. It's all an idea of Callahan's General Store to help grow golf. And, of course, Callahan's is your spot to help keep your yard golf course ready year-round. So uh, I always tell you, man, if you think you know yard stuff, get over to their Callahan's. They'll help you. They've got uh, all the essentials you need, but also uh, the – the experts who can help you and guide you because if you're like me, man, you get in there, you're like, okay, what do I need? I'd like my yard to look like a golf course, but I don't know how to do that. They can not, not only have the the, uh, the the things you need and the uh, the proper feeds and seeds and pre-emergence and everything, but the right one for your yard, your type of grass, all the things that uh, maybe you're you're not sure of where the shady spots are, how you do that, everything to make your car, your golf, your uh, yard, golf course ready. Uh, year-round with Callahan's General Store, but uh, that's the breaking news. We are going to be recording today for our golf course of the month, and we'll reveal that coming up early December, uh, what it's going to be. And, of course, you'll learn all about it. We'll have videos and best holes, and Omar and I will go out there and play a few and have a good time. That's coming up in December, brought to you by Callahan's General Store.
1: Eight holes in and nine to go, presented by the great folks at Callahan's General Store.
0: And they were all asking themselves the same question. What? What? is behind that curtain. Alright, it is uh, behind the Bernard's curtain. No Rod Babers today. Hoping he's feeling better. Uh, getting better. You know, that's a it's a rough one. He's got a young kid, young child, young baby at home and uh, texted me yesterday that he's uh, you know, running a pretty heavy fever and we're hoping he's okay. We're rooting for Rob. He'll be back as soon as he can, occupying his chair and holding down his side, shutting down his side of the field five hours a day, five days a week here on Hook'em Up. But uh, hope he's getting some rest and feeling better. Steve Sarkeesian met the media yesterday and that uh, will be our behind the burn orange curtain uh, hearing from Sark talking about uh, – the this game, you know, we, we heard Mike Craven just say that, uh, and I've heard from so many of you folks and heard folks over the weekend that that experience on Friday night was as good as any. Um, Can we hear from Sark on the, the, uh, his thoughts? I mean, he reviewed the tape and here was Sark uh, opening up about uh, the fans, the experience and what has been created at DKR, not just the football team, but the entire uh, celebration of Texas football.
3: First of all, I'd just like to acknowledge, um, the atmosphere at DKR Saturday night. You know, I got a chance having the day off Saturday to watch kind of the TV copy of our game. And, and sometimes when you're in the moment uh, coaching, you don't get a full appreciation and perspective on the atmosphere that it was. And uh, it was awesome. And uh, you know, we, we can't thank our fans enough for their support uh, all season long uh, at DKR as well as on the road. Uh, but that was, a, that was a great night and, and a very cool send-off for our seniors. I thought it was a great moment uh, for them to get acknowledged in pregame uh, and to have that moment in front of that crowd, something that will be with them for a lifetime. So, again, I, I can't thank all of our supporters enough. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody in Arlington here Saturday um, for a great showing and a great turnout of burnt orange uh, in the stands.
0: All right, yeah, it was uh, pretty universal that that was quite a scene. Uh, you heard Mike Craven say he's been to you know, 150 games there and has never seen anything like it. Um, and that's, that's, that's credit to all parties, and it's kind of come together. But uh, more importantly, there's a Big 12 championship game to play on Saturday. As Sark has called it, the mission, right, the mission. Uh, and he pointed out again yesterday, and he may mention it here, every game since the Oklahoma game has been – a Big 12 championship game in their mind. He writes it on the board to start the week. Like, uh, you know, this is our Big 12 championship game and trying to keep them focused. And that's why I said earlier I don't think he's been lobbying like maybe some fans would like him to for the college football playoff because – you know, they're not there yet. And uh, if they don't win Saturday, it won't matter. And one of the keys to winning Saturday will be stopping uh, the Big 12's top running back, Ollie Gordon. You just heard Mike Craven mention he's been watching him since his days in high school as a big-time player. Here is Sark on his read on on this this running back that they've got to get their hands around on Saturday morning.
3: Ollie Gordon's a heck of a player, and they have done a great job offensively of leaning into him. And he really... Um, signifies who their team is. I feel like he gets stronger as the game goes on, like a lot of big physical backs do. Um, a lot of his best runs come in the second half when teams wear down. Uh, he has you know, the hard yards, the tough yards in between the tackles, but yet he has the big play, explosive play ability to create those long runs. Um, and, and they've got a variety of run schemes with him. And they do a heck of a job. Uh, out of the pistol formation where they can get to all their runs, and a lot of them look the same. And so your defensive line, your linebackers, have to do a great job of fitting those things, and then you've got to tackle. And it, generally with with a guy like him, one guy's not enough. And so our ability to populate the ball Saturday and making sure we're fitting these runs right uh, is going to be really critical.
0: Yeah, he's a big-time player. And we, we learned earlier from our buddy Ari Temkin uh, only 19 carries in the first three games of the season for our, for for Ollie Gordon. Only 19. That's, you know, you know, six a game, essentially, in the first three, which was not a lot. And they were trying to figure out their identity. And uh, once they realized, and, and if you haven't tracked the Oklahoma State season, they went 2-2 two and two to start the year. Um, and they lost to South Alabama. Uh, South Alabama, out of, the, out of the Sun Belt, came into Stillwater and knocked them around pretty good, beat them 34-3, I think the final score was. Then they turned around and lost their conference opener against Iowa State, it was a more competitive game. After that game, they had a bye week, and they were 2-2. Two and two. Since the bye, they'd gone 7-1. and one. And uh, the only loss was that weird, you know, the, the after-bedlam game where they beat Oklahoma in that, you know, unbelievably emotional final-bedlam game, maybe ever, or certainly for a long time, and turned around, and went to Central Florida on a, rain, a rainy day and got beat bad, 34-3, to three, really didn't show up, flat performance which at that point a lot of people dismissed Oklahoma State, but we told you they still controlled their destiny coming out of that loss because they had beaten Oklahoma and they didn't play Texas, and they had beaten K-State earlier in the year on a Friday night in Stillwater, so they owned those two tie breaks, and uh, they ran the, the, the table, right? They beat Houston. The uh, B- BYU and a comeback, you know, last week, and here they are playing, uh, you know, the Longhorns in the Big 12 championship game. Now, one of the uh, obviously big centerpieces of this game will be Quinn Ewers, the Texas quarterback. Um, this is a good question yesterday by one of the members of the media about Quinn Ewers year to year. We know Quinn last year. I was at the game live in Stillwater watching Quinn Ewers on a very windy day. Just look. Just struggled. Longhorns controlled that game. They got a thirty-one to seventeen, and looked like they were going to run away with it with a win in Stillwater. And we know what happened. Um, you know, he he was inaccurate. Kind of got his dobber down a little bit. Uh, there was talk of a thumb injury, and in the end, the Longhorns lost that game. Uh, one of one of several games last year that the Longhorns had no business losing, but lost. Yesterday, Sark was was asked about Quinn Ewers' progress and development year to year. If you take that uh, that game last year in Stillwater to where he is now, uh, Sark has seen plenty of development here. Is Sark's uh, answer to that question?
3: Well, you know that that's part of the the games like that are part of the the growing pains of playing the position. You know, when you get on the road and you get in a hostile environment, um, and early on things are going your way, and then things start not going your way for a variety of reasons. You know, in that game, we had a couple opportunities for some big plays, and we didn't pass protect very well for him. Then we had a couple opportunities for some big plays. We didn't catch the ball very well for him. And then all of a sudden, he misses a couple throws, and those types of things can snowball on you. And I think the biggest thing that I've, I've learned, I think Quinn has learned, and that I've learned about him is his demeanor. When things at times this year haven't gone great. For example, you know, the interception Friday night when he was trying to hit the fade to, to A.D. Mitchell, I thought his, his poise, his composure really showed through, uh, and he was able to come right back and, and still execute at a high level a year ago it might have been more of a challenge to to rebound from that type of a play. But uh, I think that, that he's learning how to respond to those things, to learn from them, and then put them to the side, and then focus on um, the next task, the next play, and what's asked of him. So I think there's a mental maturity side from him that um, you're seeing a lot of growth, a lot of maturity.
0: All right, uh, there's Steve Sarkeesian. And that, that's, that's a good question, good answer, right? And that's, you know, I already hear people, you know, media folks here in Austin and and around the country already giving up on Malik Murphy. Like if Malik Murphy's no good, like they, 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 they've established that in their brain because Malik, you know, struggled and, uh, you know, looked lost at times when he got his two starts. He looked good at times too. But you know, uh, but you know, big question's going to come on Monday. You know, the Longhorns will play Saturday, and then they'll find out their bowl fate on Sunday. And then Monday, the transfer portal opens, and we'll see. There's a lot of talk that Malik Murphy may jump into that portal. But either way, point of that is, and you listen to Sark, who played the quarterback position at a high level in college at BYU. You know, you, 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 the, 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 a couple of games does not determine a quarterback. Um, You know, at the college level, I mean, when Malik Murphy got onto the field, he hadn't played a game since he was in high school, Um, you know, playing high school football in the state of California. And all of a sudden he's in the game uh, when Quinn Ewers got hurt. Uh, And, you know, take that back to what he just said about Quinn. I mean, you've got to go through that. You just do. Uh, You know, the talent's there. That's why you recruit these players. They have to they have to take lumps. And if you're, you know, coaches don't, but media folks do and fans do, you just immediately give up on a guy. There, I mean, again, there's, there's, there's people here in Austin that are like, well, Malik's no good uh, because of what we saw. Well, gosh, I mean, think of Quinn last year. I, You know, I argued last year um, pretty adamantly that in that game against Oklahoma State that Sark should have made a change. He should have gone to Hudson Card in that game, and I think they would have won that game. Uh, but, you know, Sark put the development of his quarterback ahead of that. And you can criticize Sark all you want for that. You can say that you know, wins are the most important thing. But at that moment, for the, for the growth of the program and the growth of their, their quarterback, you know, he felt it was more important for him to stay out there and, and deal with that. And he wanted to see how he reacted to it. Even if they lost the game, uh, it was something he had to go through. And now you're seeing the improvement. And Sark just mentioned it. You know, you come in, make an early interception against Texas Tech, and it doesn't phase you at all. Um, you know, if Sark pulls him in that game, and doesn't let him finish it, doesn't let him take the lumps, who knows how he develops, right? You lose confidence that way too. So uh, argument to be made, and and clearly Sark this year was, I don't want to say hes kind of giving away games last year, but there's an argument to be made that he was putting the development of his players and the development of his quarterback ahead of you know maybe what was best in that immediate moment third and fourth quarter of football games and we're, we'll see it here if it pays dividends because Quinn Ewers has a chance to do something no quarterback at Texas has done since 2009 when a guy named Colt McCoy led Texas to a big 12 championship he's it's the last time it's happened and Quinn Ewers has a chance to uh to, to solidify that and be a 12 win quarterback heck there's already people talking about him losing his job to Arch Manning next year and you know you're really going to you know, bench the guy that leads you to a Big 12 championship? You haven't won one in 15 years. Uh, that We believe that would be his job at that point. But uh, that's the conversation. But uh, good stuff from Sark. We'll hear more from Sark coming up uh, throughout the, the rest of the show. we got all the way to 11 o'clock. Uh, Sark talking about Culture Wednesdays and how that's really helped bring this team together. Thought it was a really good answer. Also more on Oklahoma State and their strengths coming into this football game. Winners of seven of their last eight into the title game. Your thoughts. Hit us on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll also continue to give you details on what we're going to be doing on Friday and Saturday up in Arlington to bring you coverage of the big game. Uh, looking forward to that as well. Coming next, though, it's Off the Record. Stories you maybe haven't heard, but you need to because they're going to be the conversations you're talking about. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. DD Mega doodoo. I'm sorry,
3: mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, I don't get. Bring my in comb.
0: Congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big east. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it
1: live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And <laughs> thing sucks.
0: All right, hook them up with Ian V, It's off the record on this uh, 28th of November. Ty uh, Henderson in our Horn headquarters on the banks of 360 there. You say you've been craving uh, fajitas since 7 o'clock this morning. What's up with that? A little, little food crave?
2: I I could eat about two pounds of beef fajitas right now, <laughs> if given the opportunity. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, if you got two pounds of beef fajitas, then that would be a lot at 7 a.m. or 8:50 a.m. Which if you've had that craving this whole time, any idea where the craving came from, or you just you recently had fajitas, or just you woke up and maybe dreamed about some fajitas?
2: Uh, there's a there's a new i my so there's this place called Fajita Pete's. Uh, my mom cool. gets it in Dallas all the time. I know they have a few locations in Austin now, but I just saw recently they're opening one in Westlake, so I've been thinking about it. I checked to see if it's open. It's not not open yet, but. Might have to Fajita go to or something after this. Fajita Pete's.
0: Okay, They're really good. Really good? Okay. Um, you know, Vaqueros right down the road has great fajitas from That's where true. you are when the That's show's true. over at 11 o'clock. Um, you know, Lupe Tortilla, but I would take Vaqueros, man. Go with the Vaqueros. Uh, you might even, you know, go say hi to the great folks over there. Uh, they bring you the Vaqueros hotline. All right. Uh, how about this, Ty? There's a, there's a poll on Ranker.com. Um, I don't know if you ever attend Ranker.com. I know you go to the Reddit rabbit holes, which we're going to tell you about here coming up, but they're having a rank of the most hated TV characters of all time. And any guess on who the who the top of the list is? Any guess? Most hated TV character ever. Mm, Currently. Now, this yeah. is Ranker.com, so this, this is a floating ranking.
2: Is this like an old school answer? Or is this a 2000s and on? Okay.
0: Yes, 2000s and on. Actually, three of the top five are from the same show. I
2: feel like The Office, for some reason...
0: No. no, Game of Thrones. Joffrey uh, Baratheon, uh, Game yeah. of Thrones. See, I, I watched um, the Game King of Thrones.
2: Joffrey. I never finished it. Never,
0: oh, well, yeah, never really locked in. in. And number two number two on the list is Ramsay Bolton from Game of Thrones. Number five is Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. So they did a great job of creating the uh, the villains. Uh, uh, Shout uh, Tucker uh, on the anime Full Alchemist Brotherhood is number three. I don't even know what that is. Uh, the Governor on waking, on Walking Dead. Um, Livia Soprano on The Sopranos. That would be uh, Tony Soprano's mother, of course. Um, also, Todd Alquist on Breaking Bad. Ezra Fitz on Pretty Little Liars. And then someone named Ed Pelletier on uh, The Walking Dead. So any of those ring out to you? And if you have a most fa- hated TV character of all time, who is it? Do you have one, Ty?
2: Um, I, the only people that stand out on that list are the Game of Thrones people. And like I said, I didn't really... Buy into that show. Um, So, I mean, if I'm thinking The Office.
0: You hate a character on The Office? I think they're all very likable.
2: I I really don't like Angela.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) there you go. Angela on The Office. Uh, We'll take yours. Text line 512-447-3776. Also, always a good debate. Uh, This is uh, – this came from – let me see where we have this. This came from uh, Reddit, as a matter of fact. 25,000 people took a poll on divisive questions. Um divisive questions. You ready you ready to play this there, time and see where you are on this. Okay. Does a straw have one hole or two?
2: A straw has two straw. holes.
0: 61% say one hole. 39% say two. It's a tube. Uh according to science, one is the answer. Well, according to science. So, one hole. Science it's has been wrong before. Cylinder. Uh is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Ooh, fifty-five percent say no. I'm in the no category. I believe it's an action film that happens to be around Christmas and a Christmas It happens party. on Christmas. I understand that, but it's not a it's not a Christmas movie. Uh, it's based in Christmas, but no, Christmas movies are about Christmas. This is about uh, terrorism, right? And uh, you know, fighting the fight. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich tie? Twenty-five thousand no. people were asked. No, it is not. Eighty-one percent agree with you. No. It's meat between bread, but it's not a sandwich. I think Rod and I had this debate pretty recently, and we agreed that it probably is, but uh, I'm good with hot dog. It's in what its is own Best category. day of the week. Uh,
2: best day what of the that? week? I was saying hot dogs best in Best day of the week. Hot dogs in some category. Best day of the week, though.
0: Best day of the week.
2: Um, Saturday.
0: Saturday. Yes, 46%. Friday was a close second at 37. Monday was voted the worst day, as you might imagine. Uh, which brownie is better, edge piece or middle piece? Like, if you're going to get a a plate of Mm. brownies and you're cutting them, do you want the edge or do you want the middle?
2: If they're cooked correctly, the edge. But usually, if I'm messing it up, so the middle. I'm going to say the middle.
0: Pineapple on pizza. Divisive question. 25,000 people are asked. Pineapple on pizza. Does it belong?
2: I enjoy the hayoli pizza from Austin's Pizza. So, yes.
0: Yes, okay. Well, at 50-50, that's an even coin flip, according to folks. Um could Jack have fit on the door at the end of Titanic? Twenty-five thousand people were asked. Could Jack have gotten his butt on that door and had what's her name? Uh, you know, move yeah, over a yeah,
2: little bit. Yeah, Ro- Rose needed to move over a little bit. I think.
0: I think. Yeah, he, killed think. the guy. She, he saved her life and then he killed her, or she killed him. What are you doing? Come on, man. Uh, I can't, still can't believe Jack Dawson got out. Didn't get out of that. They, 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 they did it all. Yeah, come on, man. Uh, PlayStation, I wouldn't know the answer to this question, but PlayStation, by the way, 79% agree that they he could have gotten up on that door. PlayStation or Xbox, Ty?
2: Xbox. For Ooh, life.
0: You're in the 40%. PlayStation got 60. Is cereal soup? No. Yeah, that's not even questionable, it's cereal right? Cereal socks. cereal. Only 6% said yes. All right, here, this is important time. This could be an age thing. Is it okay to wear socks with sandals? Yes. No. no. I, you've seen
2: me do that many times. I wear socks no. with flip-flops.
0: No, you can't do that. Socks with, like, Birkenstocks or flip-flops? So no. Socks no, and slides, no, no.
2: that's definitely my generation thing. That's why I wore socks and slides in middle school every single day. Nike elites.
0: <laughs> All right, so you could weigh in on those. Uh, 25,000 people did. Uh, that, that's, that's an interesting one, was with a straw. Does a straw have one hole or two? Science says one. Ty wear socks with sandals. I, that's not. You'll never catch me doing that. It's not my deal. If you're wearing sandals, you're wearing no, no socks.
2: What about what about flip-flops with jeans? That's fine. Okay. But Especially no in Austin. My mom, I mean, she comes in town from Dallas, with she thinks socks. that's sloppy. No yeah, socks. But it's casual. No socks. It no socks.
0: You, know, you can't go to a nice event like that, but you know, you're just hanging out going to whatever the fajita pizza or whatever. That's fine. Uh, by the way, if you're wearing socks with sandals, like the sock gets in the way of the sandal thing between your toes. It's got to be very uncomfortable. All right, we're coming back. I took him up with Ian Rodby. talking Texas Oak State. We'll have your thoughts on those questions. Uh, hoping Rodby gets better just as soon as he can get back here. We're coming back. Two hours to go. I'll hook him up with Ian Rodby.